Oasis Church Chicago, this is Pastor J.P. Trollio. I'm so glad that you're here listening with us today on our podcast. This message today is coming from our midweek prayer service. We believe that this prayer meeting is the most vital meeting of our church. I pray today as you listen to this message that you're encouraged, that you're inspired, and that ultimately you're pushed closer to Jesus. If this message today spoke to you, I pray that you will come out and join with us on a Wednesday night that you can gather together alongside the rest of the church and hear from God and what he would have to say to you. Amen, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Um, yeah, as just to echo what Pastor JP said, I, uh, I always feel like I'm at home when I come here. I just kind of, sometimes I'll just drop in and he doesn't know I'm coming and I'll just kind of hang out in the back. And um, can you guys, uh, I don't, do this every time I speak here, but um, I'm so blessed by my relationship with Pastor JP and Rachel. Uh, I get a lot more out of them than they get out of me. It's one of those relationships where you just take, 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 and um, and it's but it's because they're so selfless. Can you guys give it up for your leaders? Aren't they the best? I'm just I'm just so grateful for them, and I'm so grateful for this house and. Uh, and so I want to sh- share just a, a quick message. Um, I'm only going to wa- read one verse, but um, I, read this, I read this passage uh, a couple weeks ago. And I've, I don't know about you, and, and I, don't, I think that there's scripture that could back this up, but just from my experience, the Christian walk is living one promise to the next. You know, you're, you're in one season, and in that season, you're holding on to a promise. And you're saying, God, all your promises, they're what? They're yes and amen. And so you said this. Nothing can disqualify this. I'm just holding on to it. And then you see it come to pass. And then you're in a new season. You say, God, I need a new promise. And God gives you a new promise. And, um, and so I read this a couple weeks ago. And I said, God, this is my promise for this season. And, um, and, and so I want to read this verse in just a moment. And this verse... Uh, Coincidentally, it comes right at the end, right at the tail end, almost like right after one of the first prayer meetings in the church. In Acts chapter 4, there's, there's a prayer meeting, and, and Peter preaches, and people are saved, people are healed, God is working, and it's a mere, it's, it's, it's shortly after Jesus has risen from the dead, he's, got, he's ascended, and, but in the beginning of the church, he starts to he starts to give out certain gifts. He starts to uh, impart certain things to people. And, and one of the commentators calls this section the inner workings of the start of the church. And so I, as, even as I read this verse, keep in mind this is kind of the, the behind the scenes of the church. You know, here tonight, the prayer meeting is kind of the behind the scenes of Oasis Church. You guys paved the way for what's going to happen on Sunday. You guys right now, you're paving the way for what's going to happen on Baptism Sunday and two weeks ago. All of the, Charles Spurgeon called the prayer meeting the engine room of the church. This is what makes the church go. And so, anyways, there's this prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. And right afterwards, there's this verse that kind of sums up everything that happened. And so even as, you know, before we leave, we're going to, we're going to, read this. I'm going to give you a couple truths from it, and then we're going to pray. But then you're going to go on with your life. You're going to go home. 
tomorrow morning you're gonna work, you're gonna wake up, you're gonna go to you're gonna go to class, or you're gonna go to you're gonna go to work, and you've got to live your life. And this verse, it's it comes after the prayer meeting, almost as if to say, hey, as you leave, don't forget this. And this is what the verse says in Acts chapter four. It says this, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Everybody say great grace. Everybody say great grace. Great grace is what God wants to, you to carry in your life as you walk out. Not, not like subpar grace, not average grace, not good enough grace. God says, no, I have great grace available for you. You know, I've, um, I've started to just kind of observe and and my brother Dylan, you can uh, just put that. Yeah, leave that there. That's good. Um, just leave that there for the rest of the. I'm just gonna kind of talk. Um, I gave him some points, but you know what? I'm just gonna give them. And um, I've kind of realized that there's a different Jake when when I realize, when I recognize, when I'm aware of the fact that great grace is available to me. You know, there's there's a oh, there's a whole different Jake that that is walking with the, with the awareness that, God, you have great grace available for me now. And then there's a whole different Jake when it's just like, okay, God, you're going to get me through this. Or, you know, God, I know that you're real, but, you know, you don't. But, but some, sometimes we, we start to compartmentalize God and we say, eh, he doesn't really understand my situation today. He doesn't really understand what's going on. We might not say it out loud. We might not, we might not admit that, but there's sometimes, sometimes things come into our heart or we have situations or difficulties that we don't give to God because we fail to realize, we fail to admit that God still wants to give us great grace. And you know, um, for Peter, Peter's preaching and then, and then what, what signifies him, what differentiates him, what he's described as is somebody having great grace. But here's the thing. A few months prior, he was the opposite of great grace. A few months prior, he was denying Jesus. A few months prior, he had his greatest fall. A few months prior, he, that was the, the polar opposite of where he would be. And so receiving great grace, this is, what, this is what we need to remember. Receiving great grace means moving forward from past mistakes. See, Peter didn't let his mistakes define his future. We might fall, but we're not a failure. We might be down, but that's not our destiny. And so Peter, he says, he says you know what? His, God's mercies are new every morning. What does that mean? That means that today great grace is available to me. See, Jesus, he told Peter, he said, I'm going to build my church upon you, Peter. You're the rock that I'm going to build it upon. He said, you have the keys to the kingdom. He said, Peter, you're going to feed my sheep and feed my lambs. And so what do we see in this chapter? We see him feeding his sheep. We see that he has the keys to the kingdom. His mistake did not disqualify any of Jesus' promises. His, that mistake, didn't, Jesus did not say, hey, give me back the keys now. They're no longer yours. Can I tell you something? That for every person in this room, there's a mission that God has for you. There are specific assignments that God has for you 
this week. There are specific assignments that God has for you this month. There are specific assignments that God has for you this year, for two years, five years from now. And guess what? Your failures and your mistakes, whether yesterday, today, or tomorrow, they don't disqualify God's promises. All of his promises are what? Yes and amen. They are not contingent upon you. If his promises were contingent upon us, they wouldn't get very far. And they wouldn't be worth singing about. But his promises are yes and amen. We cannot disqualify them. You're not, I, I hate to break it to you. Well, I'll just say it about myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not strong enough for God to hold me to those promises. You see what I'm saying? God, those promises are contingent upon who? Upon God. Now, do our, do our mistakes have consequences? Yeah, we live with them. But guess what? We're not, we're not chained to those in the past. Peter, it was written down in the, in the book of life. We read about Peter denying him and Peter, Peter being ashamed and Peter being a coward. But guess what? That didn't define the rest of his life. Peter moved on. And you know what? That's synonymous with the rest of the Bible. David fell. Moses fell. Abraham, Abraham made mistakes. They all made mistakes. But guess what? Nahum, one of the minor prophets, he says, do not gloat over me, my enemy. We can say, hey, don't gloat over me. I may have made a mistake, but guess what? There's great grace for me. There's better grace available than I had yesterday. I remember, um, I remember being in high school and for the first time getting keys to a car. And, um, and I had passed my driver's test. I had, I had practiced. I had done all this stuff. My mom gave me the keys, and she said, okay, but until you practice on the expressway, don't take the expressway. I said, you got it. First thing I did, went on the expressway. Two weeks later, I totaled my car. Um, it wasn't really my fault. I, no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's always the driver. So I totaled my car. So... Um, insurance, you know, covered it. My parents buy, you know, um, it was kind of like our second car. It wasn't really mine, but my parents buy their second car um, with the insurance money. So it's, it's there sitting. And, and I'm going to basketball practice, and I'm taking the, the train just like I used to. I'm going here in the city and there in the city. I'm taking the bus, taking the train. And, and I get home. My dad says, you didn't take the car? I said, no. He said, why not? I said, well, I crashed it last time. He said, oh, congrats. That's a great way to live your life. A, a parked car will never, will, will never go anywhere, but it will never get crashed. So which way are you going to live, live? You know, and so today, how many times do we crash a car and we say, I'm not touching that anymore? How many times do we make a mistake and say, I'm not going near there anymore? Peter, he had to think about the, the specific mistake that he made. He denied Jesus one-on-one -on -one to somebody. So in the natural, in the, in the flesh, on earth, we say, hey, if you can't proclaim Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, how can you proclaim Jesus to hundreds or thousands? But guess what? That's not the way grace works. Great. That might be average grace. That might be normal grace. But great grace says, no, Peter, that's not you. Great grace says, I see what's best in you. Grace, great grace, God is saying, I see the very best, and I think it's going to come out. And so this week... You know, there are opportunities that all of us walk into that we can say, you know what, uh, I made this mistake before, I'm, I'm timid, I'm scared, I, I just don't want to mess up. You know, that's, that's like average Jake. 
you know, we, there are psychologists, they talk about how we all have different selves, right? And, and so the, the self that I am, that I am when I talk to one friend is, is a little different than the self that I might be at, at work or the self that I might be when I'm driving my car and get, getting road rage. Just kidding. Um, and it's not that we're like, we become different people or we compromise. We just act different ways in different situations. And there's kind of like a, a truth and a reality to that. But for me, I've found that there are two selves. There's Jake without great grace, and there's Jake when I realize there's great grace available. And I grab a hold of it, and I trust in it, and I say, God, your promises are way better than my mistakes. Your promises are yes and amen. Amen? And here's the other thing. You know, uh, my brother, can you put the, the verse back up? Here's the other thing. It says, great grace was upon them all, but before that, it says, and with great power. Everybody say great power. And then the other thing that it says after this verse, and, and I don't want to put it up because I don't want to explain all of it, but what happens is that they get the idea to say, you know what, we're going to share all of our belongings to everybody here. And they're all going to get blessed because of what happened here today. And so here's the other. So when you say, hey, I'm going to receive great grace, you forget mistakes. But here's what you walk into. You walk into great power, and you walk into great provision. Everybody say power. power. Say provision. Power means, that, that word power in the Greek, it's dunamis. It, it's the word that we get dynamite from. And so power means that there's literally going to be an explosion of grace, an explosion of power that comes when you come and you receive the great grace upon you. It means that there are things that are going to happen that are way bigger than you could do on your own. For the assignments that God has for you, there's power available to go beyond what you could do on yourself. See, Peter, back to Peter, Peter couldn't, he couldn't be courageous in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So how could, be, he could, how could he be courageous in, in, a, in a conversation with hundreds and thousands? This prayer meeting that happened right before this, this was, this was right after he was being persecuted for talking about Jesus. So how could he stand up to the government officials? How could he face persecution? How could he face going to prison if he couldn't stand for Jesus one-on-one? -on -one? Well, guess what? Great power. Great power. It gave him something that was larger than himself. Jesus wants the impact of your life to be larger than yourself, larger than, than your own abilities, larger than, than your own grace. No, it's great grace that's upon you. And then here's the other thing. It's provision. We always think of provision as like material or financial. And, and in this context, it's part financial. It's part material. They, they say, you know what? Everything that the Lord did, we're going to start to, we're going to start to spread it. And we're start to become generous. We're going to start to bless them, right? But here's the other thing. Is that was like a, I would call it like a spirit-led idea. A spirit-birthed idea. God can provide ideas for you that are so outside of the box that you say, where did that come from, God? See, we all face situations that, that we're saying, okay, how does this add up? How does this add up? How does, how does this go with this? You know, our, I've noticed that, like, um, I don't know if there are any sports fans here, but I'm, I'm like, old enough where uh, I remember when ESPN used to actually have, like, games and highlights and not just talking heads who feel like they know everything and pundits who, who explain everything. 
Um, and if you turn that on, if you turn any channel on TV, you turn on the radio, you, you put on social media, it's always everybody has an opinion and their opinion is like right and you can't tell them wrong. And, um, and what I've realized is that they're, they're like entire industries. That's not just sports. It's not just politics, but it's like business. They're entire industries that are based on people explaining what happened, why it happened, and, and what can happen in the future, right? And, and that's not a bad thing. But I've realized that for my life, there's Jake tries to equate everything and say, and say, you know, this happens and this happens and this happens. But Jake, with great grace, says, you know how that happened? Great grace. You know how that's going to happen in the future? Great grace. God, this doesn't add up. God, I don't see how this is going to happen to this. God, you, you spoke this over my life. I don't see how it's going to happen. God, you want me to do this? I don't see how it's going to happen. Peter, I want you to speak to thousands. Well, well Jesus, I couldn't speak to one. No, no, you know how it's going to happen? Great grace. And so here's what I want to, I want to pray um, over my life. I want to pray over your lives. How does, how does God do what he's doing at Oasis Church? Great grace. Great grace. How does God explain, uh, I'll never forget, um, I was saved, you know, I got saved when I was like, uh, I was like 20 years old. And um, I had been saved for a couple of years, three or four years, and I was on staff at Chicago Tabernacle, and, um, and it was Communion Sunday. And so the way that we do communion is, is there are kind of people in the aisles, and we just pass the, the elements to, to row after row. And I was passing, I passed the, the crackers or the bread um, to the next person, to the person in the next row. And he looks up, and he drops the, the, the gold-like um, container that's holding all the bread, drops it. It makes this whole commotion. Everybody looks. But as he drops it, he, like, blurts out a curse word. And he's looking at me. And it was a friend of mine from high school that I hadn't talked to or seen in years. And he said, what, what are you doing here? And I can't repeat exactly what he said. He's like, what are you doing here? Right? How do we explain what God's done in our lives? I couldn't, you know, in that moment where I'm, like, picking up bread and, and everybody's looking and, and they see this guy curse. And I'm like, I don't know him, you know. Um, <laughs> it's like, how do we explain how, did I, how do I explain what I was a few years prior and, and who I was that day? How do we explain who we were and who God's made us? And as time goes on, how do we explain where we were and what God did in our lives? How do we explain that, that a few years ago there was, there was no church in Pilsen for somebody to come and now Oasis Church is having baptism Sunday in two weeks? How do we explain that? How is that? Great grace. I'm going to say great grace. And that's the promise that God has for every one of us tonight. Let's stand.